Thanks for checking out this message from Restoration Los Angeles. For more information about our church, including service times, upcoming events, and home groups, be sure to check us out online at restorationla.org. in a series that we kicked off last week in Philippians. And so for the sake of time, I just want to get right into it. And I know that you probably have tons of things that uh, you're doing today, hopefully to celebrate the moms in, in, in your life. And so uh, we are going to be in Philippians. We're going to be starting with verse 12. And so last week we spoke about Philippians being a, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi and drawing from some of the commentary of Warren Wiersbe speaking about how much of the letter to the Philippians church was about joy. And so we are going to continue in that stream of joy and uh, trusting that God is going to be cultivating joy in our lives, even in a season like this. I was encouraged this week just hearing from different people through some of our connection times, uh, ladies' connections times and home groups, uh, about people standing firm in their joy and us being encouraged last week to not allow people or circumstances or things to steal our joy. And, and I pray that you are still remaining in that strength, that you are, you are contending for the joy that the Lord is giving you. And so we, we are here in verse 12 and... I'll start off with, with uh, reading a first, the first few verses. And so this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And it says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. And so if we remember what we were reading last week, Paul was in chains. He was in prison. And he was in prison in Rome, a place that he had gone to to actually preach the gospel. And so Rome at the time, we have to know, was, was kind of the, the metropolitan mecca of the world in that, in that uh, time period in, in human history. The Roman Empire had swept across the, the entire um, globe at the time, well, the, the discovered globe at the time, and had essentially conquered the world and created this massive Roman empire. And Rome was the Mecca of, of that empire. And so Paul, knowing how important this place was and how key it would be to get to that place to preach the gospel so that the gospel of Jesus could spread throughout the empire, it was extremely important for him to be there and, and, and being led by the spirit of God there to preach the gospel. And yet he finds himself being imprisoned and finding himself not being able to, to preach the gospel in the way that he thought he would be able to preach the gospel. But I, I want us to read this. Listen, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Even though he was in chains, even though he was in prison, he is able to see with an eternal focus, like we spoke about last week, with eternal lenses that everything that has taken place in his life has still allowed the good news to spread, has still allowed the gospel to spread. Verse 13 says, for everyone here, including, listen to this, friends, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. 
in Paul's circumstances of being imprisoned and being chained, that didn't stop his witness. That didn't stop him from being able to spread the good news. It didn't stop others from recognizing that even in the position that he was in, that he was in chains for Christ. And because of my imprisonment, listen to this, friends, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And so we're seeing that the Apostle Paul's life became an encouragement, not only for non-believers, but also for the believers around him. You see, he didn't allow, allow the circumstances of his life to diminish his life's message. And so I, I want to um, give us a, a few keys as we walk through this. And so a couple of questions that I have to, to provoke some of those keys are is this. Is there good news in your life's message? You see, because good news comes from a place of joy. Last week, we, we spoke about um, King David coming to a place in his life where he needed to go to God and ask the Lord to restore the joy of his salvation. You see, those of us who, who have been saved should be people kind of percolating with joy. And, and, and I'm not saying that I, I've always been that, but this is what Scripture is encouraging us to do, and this is what Scripture is, is telling us that we are able to do. That because of what Jesus has done for us, joy should be percolating in our lives. Our lives' message should come with good news. I wonder if, as we go about our normal lives, and I know that today's not normal, but you're still connecting with people. You're still connecting with your family. Uh, I know some are uh, doing essential work and are out there and doing, doing, um, doing life as you, as you had in the past. But I wonder, is there good news in our life message? Because even though Paul was in prison, the good news of his life message was still being spread. Good news comes from a place of joy. And we need to allow that joy to be infectious to the world around us. And it's, it's, it is kind of ironic that we, being a people of God, being a people who should be a people of joy, as we declare our faith in Jesus to the world around us, it kind of becomes a repellent. I don't know if that's happened to you. Maybe it's just me. I probably should check my cologne or something like that. But when, when we begin to tell people that we're, we're followers of Jesus, what, what then happens is people begin to look at not only our message, but they begin to look at our life, right? And as they witness who we are, they're looking to see if our life is matching our message. So the only message that, that we have been given as the people of God is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel. And my friend Terry Kruger loves to say this, and I'm not sure if he came up with it, but I'll give him credit today. Um, that the good news is still good enough. And so if, if the good news is still good enough, then we have to know that that is still the message of every Christian's life. And the good news is this. That Christ 
through a sacrifice on a cross, provided salvation. And for those who believe in that sacrifice and that he was risen from the dead, and those who confess that he is Lord, they shall be saved. And that is good news. That's not only good news, that's great news. And knowing that salvation has come to us, knowing that we now have an eternity with our heavenly father in heaven, that should make us the most joyous people on the planet. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't experience circumstances here in this life. It doesn't mean that, that there isn't hardship. It doesn't mean that we don't experience sadness and, and mourning or frustration or anger. These are all emotions that we as human feel. But this, this understanding of joy, it's not just like these fleeting moments of happiness. It's an eternal thing within us. That provokes a life's message. And Paul's life's message was infectious. To the palace guard. To those who knew he was in prison. To, to probably the centurion that he was actually chained to. So I wonder about us. I wonder if our life's message is infectious. But listen to this, friends. Not only in public. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I've seen people, even in church who really try to fake it until they make it, right? How are you doing? I'm doing great, brother. I'm full of the joy of the Lord. <laughs> and, and, and you think that's cool. Like that, I, I you know, I, I know that they're, they're trying to, you know, get through. And maybe they're trying to faith it until they make it, you know, whatever. But you see, this thing of joy it can't be faked in private. You see, we can put on a smiley face and, you know, and do all the, you know, cheerio dance in front of people. But when we really have joy, it's not only in public. And, and that's a strange thing because most people, right, most people are capable of doing things for God in private. But this thing of joy as, I, as I've kind of tried to calculate it in my life, I, I recognize that joy can't be faked in private. And so it's actually in those private places, like we spoke about, spoke about last week, that we actually cultivate that joy in the presence of God, with the Jesus focus and eternal focus in prayer, that we actually cultivate that joy in private. And then in public is where that joy um, is the overflow is, is seen through that joy. So not only in public, but in private. But Paul, he was in chains. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. And listen, his message was not affected. It wasn't affected. I, w I wonder about our message. Is our message affected? And if we think about it, when our joy is affected, our message is affected. Just think about it. When, 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 when you're not happy... The, 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 the atmosphere changes. My wife, my wife says this about me sometimes. Like, when I'm mad, like the whole house knows, right? It, it changes the entire atmosphere. And, and, and that's not a good thing or not a thing that I'm proud of. But it, it's, it's definitely what we carry as well as Christians. As we're walking around in, in, in the atmospheres that God has placed us in, in your homes, in your, in your work environment. And, and I know we might be thinking, well, we're in quarantine. I'm not doing a lot of walking around right now. Hey, that time is coming to an end, and I believe soon. 
And now is a time of preparation. Now is a time to cultivate that joy. Now is a time for us to strengthen that joy inside of us so that it can be infectious to others around us. But listen, when, when your joy is affected, your message is affected. I mean, have, have you ever seen someone preach the gospel, which is called the good news, and it not really even look or sound like good news? And, and I, I don't, I don't want to judge people's methods, but I mean, I, I honestly, it doesn't bear witness with me. I see people on, on street corners preaching the gospel, and it, and it sounds angry. And it doesn't sound like an invitation. It actually sounds like an like a imprisonment sentence. You see, the good news is a message of joy. The, the good news is an invitation from, from God to draw his children back to him. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but that, that sounds like some pretty amazing news. Something that people would actually be attracted to. When your joy is affected, your message is affected. Has your message been affected by your circumstances in this last season? Or, or in the past seasons. Because I really believe that God is wanting to bring that all in line with who he is. And as I encouraged us just after worship, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so if you're not really a happy person, and when I'm talking about happy, I'm talking about a joyous person, a, a kingdom joy. I, I, maybe you haven't spent enough time in his presence. Let's continue reading. Verse 15 says this. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. And so now um, kind of Apostle Paul's is beginning to talk about those who are around him during his imprisonment. He's talking about, hey, I, the good news is still coming through my life, even though I'm in chains. And now there's others around who, who are being affected. And he's saying the confidence of some was, was, was being lifted and they were preaching the gospel without fear, but some were preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. And so now he's starting to talk about the motives of our good news, the motives of how we minister. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach out of Christ, I'm sorry, preach about Christ with pure motives. And I'm telling you, friends, that is where our message needs to come from. Our message needs to come from a pure place. It can't come from a place that has an agenda. It can't come from a, 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 a place of impure motives. It has to actually come from a place of integrity. You see, when we give the authentic gospel to people, I mean, they catch it. And the reason why they catch it is because it's inside of us. When, they, when we're talking to them about the good news of Christ, they begin to examine us and see, wow, this is true because it matches this person's life and it's coming with pure motives. Verse, eight, uh, verse 16 says this, they preach, these other people preach, uh, I'm sorry, the ones who preach with pure motives preach because they love me for they know that I have been appointed to defend, to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition. 
not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but if you've been around the church world, like you, you know that there's sometimes contentions in the church world, right? And I don't believe that that happens really in the life of our, of our local church here at Restoration LA, but I've definitely experienced it in, in my walk with the Lord, the, the, the contentions and the rivalries and all of those things that happen within the church. And I'm telling you, friends, it's ungodly. And that, that thing will break down joy more than anything in the life of a church is, is those who are comparing themselves and those are, who are secretly uh, rival, um, uh, rivaling those who they're supposed to be in unity with. These others, they don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But listen to this in verse 18. And this is powerful. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Even though they're doing all these things, but that doesn't matter. You see, that doesn't matter. If you've been walking in this Christian walk, I mean... So many times people are looking to other people. And as we spoke about last week, is we need to be focused on Jesus, not on people. And so the Apostle Paul, he's like, I'm preaching the gospel, and this gospel is effective because it's authentic and it's coming from my life. And you can see the fruit of the good news that's being spread. But these others, they're, they're preaching with selfish ambition and they're preaching against me. And they're, they're actually happy that I'm in chains. But he says this. That doesn't matter. You see, he had a kingdom focus. He had an eternal focus. And friends, what others are doing around you, inside or outside of the church, shouldn't affect your life's message. And it shouldn't affect your mode of operation, your motives, and how you are presenting that message to the world. Your motives should solely be that of Christ. I'm doing it for him. That doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. Now, that's a hard thing to wrestle with. That's a hard thing to wrestle with when when maybe you're trying to be authentic and maybe you're trying to, to live in integrity and, and preach with sincerity and, or, or, or minister in that way or, or try to go about ministry with, with a pure heart and you're watching others do it other ways and we allow those things to rob us of our joy. Well, look at the way they're doing things and look at the way they're doing things and look at all the things I've done and look at the things that they're not doing and why have they been promoted and why aren't I being promoted and all of the things that, you know, we wrestle with in church life. All of the things we shouldn't be wrestling with in church life. Apostle Paul says, I rejoice. I rejoice because the gospel is being preached either way. And we know that the word of God will never come back void. Verse 19 says this, For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. You see, he had an eternal focus and his faith was that as as he continued and as the saints that he was in partnership were continuing to pray for him, that freedom would eventually come to him. 
So questions I have through this portion is, what are your motives for ministry? And when I say ministry, that word ministry means to serve. So if you say, hey, my goal in life is to be a full-time minister. Really, you've just said that your goal in life is to be a full-time servant. See, we are called to a life of service. But what are the motives of that service? See, Paul's motives were to serve God and to do that which God had called him to, to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to all of the known world at the time. And he did it with integrity and purity. And there was fruit from that ministry. What are our motives? What are the motives that we have as we minister for God? Or maybe you're in a place where saying, you know what, I, I, I actually haven't been motivated to minister for the Lord. And I really believe that the Lord, even today, is wanting to give you a motive on how you could be serving God in your sphere of influence today, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ in your world. Listen, regardless of other motives, Paul says this, I will continue to rejoice. It doesn't matter what other people's motives are. I know what my motives are, and I will continue to rejoice. And so my joy will not be affected by other people's motives. My joy will not be affected by how other people minister. And so how, how last week we spoke about these external things that steal our joy, the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, there's even some in-house things in the church that could steal your joy. Other people's motives, how other people are doing things. And listen, friends, we cannot allow it. We are servants of Jesus Christ. He is our motive. How others do ministry doesn't dictate my joy. That should be a, 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 a one of your mantras. Write that thing down. Put, put it on your mirror. Or if, if you're driving around these days, put it on a little posty and put it uh, in, on, on your steering wheel so you see it. How others do ministry doesn't dictate my joy. And listen to this. How I do ministry shouldn't dictate others' joy. We should be rejoicing that the gospel is getting out and that we are serving the Lord. It might look different, but hopefully each is with pure motives for Jesus Christ. What's happening around us, listen, friends, it does matter. And so when people minister out of impure motives and when people preach the gospel you know, out of, out of rivalry and all of those weird things. It does matter. It does matter. But we can't allow those things to alter our joy. Amen. Verse 20 reads like this. And I want you to hear the faith in, in, in the Apostle Paul's um, writings here. For I fully expect, there's an expectation. I fully expect and hope there's a hope. I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. I love this. Paul is in chains, and he, he, is, he is writing this letter to the church in Philippi and saying, I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. You see, our circumstances should not change our mode of operation. 
doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us. Our expectation and our hope should be to continue as we always do, as we always do in spreading the good news. And then he says this, and I trust. I mean, these, these are words of hope. These are words of encouragement. These are, these are building blocks for us, friends. And I trust that my life, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. You see, it's not just his message that he was worried about. And it's not just his, his, his motives, the mode of operation that he did things. It was, it was his life. Is our life bringing honor to God? The internal parts of our life. The apostles' trust was that his life would bring honor to Christ. And listen to this, whether I live or die. That's a powerful statement. That whether I live or die, I trust that my life will bring honor to God. Man, where are we at with that? When it's all said and done, we, I think we talked about a tombstone a few weeks back. I mean, what, what will your tombstone say? In life and in death, we should have a deep desire that our life will honor Christ. Verse 21, this, this is a, a very um, well-used portion of Scripture. And if you don't know it, I would encourage you to take your Bibles, underline it, circle it, meditate around this. Listen to this. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. So what he is saying is, if I'm going to live... Living means living for Christ. We're, we're, we're children of God. We've been created by God for God to live in a way that honors him. And so if we're going to live, let's live for him because that's really living. And dying, listen to this, is even better. Now we know the Apostle Paul was at risk of dying for the sake of the gospel. He was in chains, possibly going to be going towards an execution for crimes against the empire of Rome. And so he was saying, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if I'm going to die, even better. Now, Apostle Paul isn't talking about, hey, I wish I was dead or anything like this. There was no, no you know, kind of suicidal tendencies in this whatsoever. This was the Apostle Paul saying, I want to live and die for Christ. See, there was sacrifice in his understanding of living. And so if the ultimate sacrifice meant death for Christ, then even better. But verse 22 says it, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. And so he had a hope, hey, if I'm going to live, I want to do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. And, and, and so this is a wrestle. With the, I mean, is it better to be here on earth, experience the presence of God, and, and walking out the will of God through obedience here now? Or is it better to be with Christ eternally, which means death, right? And he, he was wrestling with that. I don't, I don't know which is better at, at, at this time. And for him, that was a real thing because he was facing death. But he also had an eternal perspective that either way, 
Either way, he was going to live for Christ or he was going to die for Christ and he would be with Christ. Verse 23 says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But listen to this, friends. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. You see, the Apostle Paul understood the responsibility of ministry. He understood the responsibility of leading people out of death into life through the preaching of the gospel. He understood the apostolic role of continuing to encourage the people of God into growth in Christ. And, and, and here in the next few verses, I had a revelation this week going through this again and, and wanting to bring this to us. And it's here in verse 25. It says this, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow. Listen to this, friends, and experience the joy of your faith. I'm going to read that again. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. You see, there should be joy in this walk. And the Apostle Paul, even in chains, was writing to encourage a church in Philippi and encourage them into joy of their faith. Where last week we spoke about David needing God to restore the joy of his salvation. The Apostle Paul was convinced, he had a revelation that the Lord was going to keep him alive so that he can continue to encourage the church in the joy of their faith. I mean, that's powerful. And, and, and as a leader, I, I, I mean, I was thinking about this and I'm like, man, how much time do I spend as a pastor encouraging people in the joy of their faith. How many times do we as Christians do this? To spend time encouraging people, people in the joy of their faith. I mean, as a pastor, I do, I do a lot of things. Uh, I disciple, I counsel, I correct, I encourage. But the Apostle Paul is saying, I will remain alive to continue to help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. You see, we should be experiencing the joy of our faith. To be Christian, to be followers of Christ, to be those who have an eternal hope of being at one with the Father once and for all in eternity, that should bring joy to us. And we should also be encouraging that joy in others. This also leads me to the understanding, this revelation that Our joy, listen, friends, can grow. Your joy can grow. I continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Your joy can grow. Tell yourself that. My joy can grow. (laughs) Which means wherever, whatever level of joy you're experiencing in your life today, it can actually be grown. Last week, we spoke a little bit about what produces joy in your life, and, and I'll just cover those real quick. Number one was a Jesus focus. Number two was an eternal focus. Number three was the presence of God. And number four was prayer. 
those things help produce joy in us. And so the, the two uh, points I have for us today is what grows joy in you? What grows joy in you? And so I'll land with these this morning. Number one is shepherding. And what I mean by shepherding, it, is, it means you surrounding yourself with those who will lead you into joy. The Apostle Paul said, I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Which means we need to come alongside others or invite others to come alongside of us who will actually lead us into joy. See, most people, we surround ourselves with people who think like us, respond like us, and are kind of like are, are, are people who will encourage us in the direction we're already going. And to a, a place of like complacency or, or, or to remain in a, in a place of comfort. But the Apostle Paul says, I want to continue to encourage you into the joy of your faith. Which means I want to help you grow in this area. And not allow you to not experience the joy of your faith. And so many of us, I really believe, we get stuck in these places. We get stuck in ruts because we don't allow others into our lives to help lead us out of those places. And so if you're a person who really hasn't experienced the joy of your faith, who really hasn't experienced a place of like, man, I'm, I'm a child of God, and, and I, I am now living with an eternal purpose in my life, I now have the privilege to serve God and preach the good news to the world around me and see the world changed. changed. I mean, if, if that isn't the type of person or outlook you have with your, in your Christian walk, then we probably need someone to come alongside of us and lead us into that. But unfortunately, we surround ourselves with people who are serving Jesus you know, kind of kicking rocks. You know, I always use Eeyore as a, as a, as a like, you know, that analogy. You know, Eeyore, the, 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 the what, is, what is he? He's an elephant. What is he? What is he? Oh, donkey. I'm sorry. The donkey from uh, Winnie the Pooh, right? And so we surround ourselves with Eeyore Christians who are like, no, you don't have to be happy. You know, joy is, joy is eternal. Uh, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, uh, you know, scientists say that, that happiness can be equated to the same things as eating a piece of chocolate. And, uh, I mean, I mean we, we justify why we're not joyful as Christians. We justify why we're not living a life of joy. And so we need to actually bring people into our lives that help lead us into that. Do you know a joyous person? Invite that person into your world to, to lead you, to lead you into the joy of your faith, the joy of your faith. And secondly, is found in Galatians 5.22. So number one, what grows joy? Shepherding, inviting someone who is those who will plant, cultivate, and grow joy in you. Most importantly, number two, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the living God, Galatians 5.22 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Galatians 5.22, those are commonly referenced as the fruits of the Spirit. And one of those fruits is joy, which means the Holy Spirit actually produces joy in us. And so if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and if you have accepted Christ into your life, then you have invited the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. The presence of the living God is now living in you. And if he is living in you, then he is wanting to produce fruit within you. And these are the fruits of the Spirit. And one of them, listed second, is joy. And so if you're the type of person that says, well, that's just not one of the fruits that God has given me. Then I want want to maybe be a little brutally honest with us. Then maybe you're quenching the Spirit in that area of your life. Maybe you're not allowing the spirit of the living God to produce joy in you. Where this fruit of the spirit is trying to, to blossom. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been around like kind of um, gardening or, or, or fruit trees and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they, they take time to, to, you know, I don't know all the words, but you follow along. I, I know I'm Mexican, but I don't you do, you do all that stuff. Um, but when they begin to, to, to blossom, you know, they start as a small little fruit. Like when you have a, a lemon tree, my, my grandfather used to have a bunch of trees on the property we lived in. And so there was tangerines and lemons and plums and all of these things. And, and early on, you know, they start as, you know, these little, little bulb, bulbs and, uh, and then they start growing. And you just know that there's times that you're not supposed to mess with those things because they're still growing. So, you know, if they're green, you know, oranges, you don't want to eat oranges when they're green. Right. You want to allow them to grow. And and, you know, same same with other fruit. You don't want to pull them off before before it's too soon. We need to allow those things to grow. But I think sometimes as Christians, man, we, we pull those things off the tree before they're even ready. God is wanting to 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 grow things in us. And we start, you know, pulling them and getting rid of them because we don't want to allow them to develop in our lives. And I really believe that we're crunching the spirit in this way. Are you allowing joy to grow in you? I mean, I've had moments in my life where I've just thought like, man, I'm, I'm happy right now. And then there's like this weird sensation over like, and is something wrong? Something has to, something has to be wrong. You see, we... We're not comfortable with allowing the joy of the Lord to rest on us. We're not comfortable with, like, we we think that life for Jesus always means suffering. Now, friends, there is sacrifice in this walk. There is suffering in this walk. But this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is a gift from God. And we need to contend for joy in this season. And so my encouragement for you this morning is for you to grow the joy that the Holy Spirit has made available to you. And these two ways, I want to ask you to step out in faith and invite these two agencies into your world. Number one, shepherds, people who are going to lead you into the joy of your faith. There are pastors, elders, deacons, Leaders, friends in your world that are going to 
promote joy in your life? Or are those the people you don't like to be around because, you know, they kind of get you a little sick? Invite those people into your world. Secondly, and most importantly, the spirit of the living God. Allow the Holy Spirit to develop joy internally and eternally in your life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And if it's a gift from God, how could we not want it? How could we not want it? I want to pray for you as we as we land this morning. I really pray that in this series that you are going to begin to to experience the joy of the Lord in new ways. As we were worshiping, Pam was encouraging us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We'll be speaking about that next week. See, joy is a place that we draw strength from. And so my heart is that we are a strong people of God. But that comes from being a joyous people of God. And I want to be there. And I want us to be there. I want you to be there. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the joy that you have made available to us. By your spirit. And Lord, those of us who who may not be experiencing joy because of external things, people around us, circumstances around us. Lord, I pray that you begin to reveal yourself to us in those areas. That we begin to have an eternal focus, a, a, a Jesus focus. Not looking at the circumstances. Not looking at the people around us, focusing on you, Lord, because in you there is fullness of joy. Lord, I pray that if there's anything internal within the life of of the church or or, or with other Christians that we know, within the house of God, Father, that are are robbing us of our joy, Lord, I pray that we, we take on the heart of the Apostle Paul And really come to a place, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their motives are. It doesn't matter if if they're being uh, uh, contentious with me. I'm focusing on you, God. Lord, help us to get there. Help me to get there. Help us us to truly not focus even even on the the way other people are going about their walk with you. I'm your son. These are your sons. These are your daughters. We have a relationship with you directly, and our motives need to be pure. Help us in that area, God. And for those of us who need joy to be cultivated in us, to grow within us, Lord, I just pray for an activation of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, where they are now, even in their homes, I just pray that you saturate them, that you birth within them seeds of joy that will be developed and grown in this next season. Lord, we want to be a joyous people. Give us the courage to invite others around us who will lead us into the joy of our faith. Give us the courage to invite them in and allow them to speak words of joy into our lives. Jesus, we are trusting you for all of these things. We love you and we honor you. We want our lives to honor you, God. We want our message to honor you. 
May it all be done from a platform of joy because you are a good God. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this podcast message from Restoration LA. For more info, visit us at restorationla.org and follow us at Restoration Los Angeles.